right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right, let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn and Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. What's up, everyone? Again. Just like the last couple of days, this is not Derek Johnson, but this is actually Lane Gillespie for Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017-1320-KLWN. Got a good show for you today. We're going to start off like we did the last couple of days with an NBA draft profile. Today's subject will be the four-year big man, David McCormick. We'll have some more Best of RCST Trivia Marathons for you later on in the show. Some audio to get to as Jalen Wilson met up with the media yesterday. Got another top 10 for you at the top of the five o'clock hour with the top 10 individual performances by Kansas basketball this season against conference opponents, which does include the regular season and the big 12 tournament. So let's go ahead and start things off. The NBA draft once again, coming up tomorrow at around seven o'clock local time and four Jayhawks are eligible to be drafted. We already covered Remy Martin on Monday, Christian Brown yesterday, Today's story is David McCormick, the four-year man out of Norfolk, Virginia, 6'10", 265 is what he's originally or officially listed as. He was originally listed as 6'10", 250 on the KU Athletics website. And he's a guy who, let's face it, for four years, we kind of saw the same movie with David. He's a guy that struggled to start it off, had some big games, but with some inconsistency, but then around conference play towards the end of the season, got everything figured out and became a huge playmaker. Let's go ahead and uh, take a bit of a time travel to where things all started off. So he already had a lot of strength in high school. Uh, he was a lineman in football while he was at high school at Norfolk Academy in Virginia. But he was very overweight, and he can, he can even tell you that too. He was overweight, but he lost a lot of that weight before he came to KU. In the summer of 2014, after his eighth grade year, he was, he was already tall. He was about just over six foot seven. However, he weighed over 300 pounds, almost topping out at 320. So for the first three years of, uh, of high school, he kind of went with it, earned his name on the basketball front, and eventually was recruited to KU even during his junior year. But in the summer of 2017, while he was at Norfolk Academy, this is the year before he went to Oak Hill, uh, he would wake up every morning at four o'clock in the morning. And there's a story about this. Uh, I believe Matt Tate. Well, I, okay. I'm not gonna, I probably shouldn't have said that name because I don't know if he wrote it for sure, but it's on, it was by the Lawrence journal world. So it just kind of made me assume, but, um, it was by the Lawrence journal world. So if it wasn't, if it wasn't Matt, that's my bad. Blame it on my head, not my heart. Um, but in the summer of 2017, he would wake up at 4am to go down to Virginia beach and train every morning. And his mother hated it. Because David would always wake up his mom before he left, just like basically just to go into the bedroom and say, Mom, I'm leaving. I love you. And there are times where his mom was like, No, it's four in the morning. You're not leaving. But he would go anyway. So he would train. So in those two months of summer, he lost 40 pounds and he got a lot stronger 
as well because I, that was probably the one thing uh, from that he got from you know those who recruiting him was that he needed to work on uh, his size. Basically, two ninety that's nice and all, but it's ultimately not going to help when you are facing against Division One athletes, especially because it could really uh, lower your your stamina. So he lost a lot of weight. In total, he lost about 70 pounds since he was in eighth grade. Because like I said, he almost topped out at 320 pounds is what David almost topped out at. And then he came to KU, 6'10", weighing 260. And there's a quote from uh, the then strength and conditioning coach uh, for KU, Andrea Hootie, who's uh, doing a lot of great stuff at Texas now. But uh, she was impressed. But at the same time, still wanted to work on David's frame. He was already strong, wanted to make him stronger. And, if, and she did. She helped out with that quite a lot. In his one year at Oak Hill Academy, he did lead his team to a 9A state title uh, in Virginia. And he had a double-double in the McDonald's All-American game. So the hype was there before he came to KU. Uh, but like I said, and we, kept, we found this out early, he struggled a lot to start off every season. What eventually... Uh, figure it all out and play to the best of his ability. Uh, looking back at his key uh, on his KU career, we're going to look back at that before we talk about what uh, some NBA scouts have said about him. Back to his freshman year, he had to start a bit earlier than than originally anticipated because of the injury to Yudoka Azabuki uh, in the middle of the season. This was in the 2018-19 season. Uh, Azabuki was. He did a lot of great things to start off the year. You know, he just came off the Final Four team in 20, 2018. Um, and then he tore a ligament in his wrist, I think. That was in January of that season. So David then kind of had to become the number one big man. If you, I, I mean, you could you could kind of count Diedrich Lawson, but he, he he played more like a shooter rather than a, rather than a guy inside. He was more of a shooter. So David... Had to become the low post guy at standing at six foot ten, and he would be the tallest active player on the team at that point. Uh, he did only average; it didn't even average four points a game. So he, the, I think everybody could tell early on and going on through the season, he still had a lot of work to do. But he was efficient in the ways that they needed him. Uh, in the last eleven games of the season, he shot seventy seven percent overall in the year. He shot sixty two, which is pretty dang good for your freshman season. But like we mentioned. You know, he had to start off pretty early, and he did have some struggles here and there. Moving on to 2019-2020, that was his sophomore year. He started a good chunk of games, but he wasn't the number one big man because Doak was healthy. But I, I think a lot of the reasons why they started uh, David was after the Jalen Wilson injury. That was when he uh, broke his ankle uh, early on in the season. So they were kind of figuring things out. McCormick would become the four-man behind uh, Azabuki, who played at the five, of course, being seven feet, 250 pounds. Um, that year, uh, only got about seven points a game for rebounds, but again, he wasn't really the guy to look for. He was just there to clean things up, uh, help out any way he can when Doak was in foul trouble. Um, and then even when, uh, like, let's say all of the focus was on Doak, David was in there to help out. And like I said, clean things up. He had a, he had a couple of great dunks that year. You know, you look up the, um, the putback dunk that he had against Iowa state on the road was probably one of the. Uh, best dunks of the of the season, not just for KU, but in college basketball. It was a one-handed slammer off of a putback, which is really hard to do. Um, so without a doubt, he it, we could really show... That was also when we could really see his strength. He did really good in the low post as well, but 
Seven points a game, four rebounds a game. That's all he could ever muster. He did get his first career double-double that year. It was early. That was in the 112-57 win against Monmouth, the the game where What's-His-Face stole the ball late and got a technical foul after dunking over in Aruna. Anyway, and uh, of course, like I mentioned with uh, Christian yesterday, team had a lot of potential. Would have won the national championship, but uh, no postseason due to COVID that year. Uh, junior year, that's when he became the number one big man because obviously Doak was gone. He just graduated. Uh, so he had to be the head man to look for. And again, like we saw, struggled early, had some good games early, but struggled, was it uh, was inconsistent, figured things out late, like really late. And actually was probably, you could honestly say he was probably the best player on the team at the very end of the season. Um, and his offensive rebounding really skyrocketed from the year before. Uh, in, the, in his sophomore year, he averaged only one and a half offensive rebounds a game. And, he, and that one almost exponentially increased to almost three offensive rebounds a game. And he finished with a career-high 13 points a game because he late in the season he became that head guy. And he led the Big 12 in field goal percentage, 51%. And he would be named the Big 12 most improved player. No doubt a guy that deserved it given how he started the year how his last couple of years went, and ultimately turning into one of the best players in the Big 12, also earning all Big 12 second team honors. Now in his senior year, we expected a lot, struggled early. Like I mentioned, honestly, the epitome of it was the Dayton game. Uh, He only had five points in that game, but I think like the biggest gaff that he had all season long was that offensive foul that he had late in the game and ultimately turned into the Dayton buzzer beater uh, to to lose the game for KU. Um, but it, the main thing with David was he would take questionable shots when he was when he was smothered. Uh, he would be out of control sometimes, but Coach Self always believed in him. He said he's not, he's not going to give up on him. He's going to try to keep him moving out for uh, moving forward and. I kept in the back of my head, even though he struggled, even though he struggled some games, you know, he's probably going to be, he's probably going to do it exactly what he did the last few years, which was start off bad, end up, end up great. Not only did he end great, he ended terrific. No doubt about that. 10 point, but let me give you this one. He had 10 points to start off the season, but he didn't average double figures until senior day when he scored 22. And that's really when I think the confidence rose for David McCormick was the 22 point game against Texas at home. That was the overtime win. Uh, And then the tournaments, especially the NCAA tournament, the biggest games of the year showed up, showed out, had a season high in points in the NCAA tournament, not just in the NCAA tournament, but it was in the final four against Villanova. We all remember that poster dunk that he had, which I think really, again, rose the confidence because now he started to finish inside a lot stronger than he did before. Uh, he ended with 25 points in that game against Villanova. Uh, and then the national championship game, he saved the best for last. And we honestly do believe that. Saved the best for last. And still, and Bill Self will say this to, the, to this day, we think that there should have been a co-most outstanding player where it could have been David and, and Ochai, but Bill did the right thing. Give the net to David. He said that net's going to stay with him forever, and he deserves it. He finished the national championship with a double-double, 15 points and 10 rebounds. Not only that, but big shots down the stretch. Had to deal with Armando Baycott, without a doubt. One of the best, if not, I wouldn't say the best big man, because Chet Holmgren was a guy. Um, But 
he, I, I guess Armando Baycott will be the probably the best big man in the country next season uh, because he is returning to North Carolina. And he had to deal with Armando Baycott the whole game. But McCormick shined when the moment mattered the most, which included those big shots towards the end, the fist pump a la Danny Manning towards the end of the game. Great defense to close it out. Jayhawks, national champions. So his stats for that year ended 10.5 points a game, but seven rebounds a game and over three offensive rebounds a game. So obviously his, his, his scoring numbers went down from last season, but it's also because well, we saw a lot more production from Ochai Baji, Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson, Remy Martin, Dwan Harris. He was David was still one of the top guys to look for, but he wasn't. He was no longer the top guy. I don't know if I mean you could kind of say that he was the top guy his junior year. I mean Ochai did pretty good as well, but definitely not the numbers that he had this past season. Uh, Jalen did pretty good too, but David really um, he really excelled in the latter half of the season. Just about his whole career, but the uh, 2020 to 21 season was the one where um, it was it showed out the most. So let's go ahead and take a look at the uh, NBA scouting report that he has. Uh, this is written by NBAScoutingLive.com, written by Alan Liu. Uh, officially listed 6'10", 250. Out of the top 100 prospects, he's ranked as number 90, which means he's projected to be in the second round to undrafted. And again, 58 picks this year. It's usually 60, but... Uh, and I forget the exact teams. There were a couple of teams that were uh, that got in trouble for tampering issues, and they had to um, forfeit their draft picks. They weren't given to anybody else; just completely wiped them clean. So instead of sixty, there are fifty-eight picks this year. Anyway, uh, pros and cons to David McCormick, written by uh, an NFL, an NBA scout. I almost said NFL. Honestly, he's strong enough and big enough; he could be in the NFL. But I digress. Um, pros. Solid finisher around the basket, solid low post scorer, excels at scoring on the move, sets solid screens for his teammates on offense, good rebounder, adequate defender, above average athlete, has very good strength. So basically, a lot of that really just talks about his athleticism and how well he does with that. And he plays a little bit smart, too, when he's off the ball, especially with the solid screens. Now, early on in the year, yeah, I kind of didn't help. He he got called for offensive foul after offensive foul, especially that one against Dayton, like I mentioned, but really worked on that and uh, set a lot of good screens, which helped out the offense a lot. Cons. Needs to improve his face-up game. Must extend his shooting range. Needs to improve his playmaking skills. Struggles to guard quicker players. Not an elite shot blocker. Lacks elite lateral quickness. And like I mentioned, did not see much playing time in his first two seasons. So his face-up game, yeah, I could kind of, I could definitely agree with that. Extending his shooting range, I can, I can agree with that as well. He, he had some hit and miss times where he could do well from the mid-range. Uh, he could, he, he could not shoot from outside. He finished one for five in his career, so he could, not at a great level, and he was definitely not told to shoot the ball from outside that much. Uh, not an elite shot blocker, that's true. Lacks elite lateral quick. He has some good lateral quickness, but like they said, it's, it's not elite. And struggling to guard quicker players is a trait that we did see quite a bit because, you know, there are a lot of times where there'd be a switch, he'd be guarding a guard out front, the guard would quickly get past him and finish behind David, something like that. David would try to block it, but the, you know, obviously the ball would hit the backboard quicker than David could even get there. So that's, uh, that, uh, that's, that's, that, that is one of the things that, um, that David will need to work on, especially if he's going to go against guys in the, 
in the NBA, should he start off in the NBA? Or even, I mean, he's going to play in the summer league without a doubt because it's kind of a tryout to see if he can make it on the big stage and could he make it on an NBA roster. He's going to go against those tough 6'4", 6'5", guys, and a lot of them can finish well in the paint. His summary reads as follows. David McCormick is a strong, mobile big man that excels at scoring around the basket, and he also rebounds the ball well. He had his ups and downs over the years, but he had a good senior season the year that culminated with him having a fantastic performance in his team's Final Four win against Villanova and a solid showing in his team's championship game over North Carolina. Currently, he projects to be a second-round prospect in the 2022 draft. So I think that was kind of the expectation. We didn't know if he would have, you know, like a Thomas Robinson. You know, when I when I first saw him, I thought he would be the next Thomas Robinson. But he just wasn't a elite finisher like Thomas was until the tournament, his last season. Because honestly, Thomas could dunk just about everything. He could he could drive the ball extremely well. Honestly, he had dunks from about where he rose up from about like 10 feet away from the basket. The dude at 6'10", 250 was one of the quicker guys that I've ever seen and one of the best big men I've honestly ever seen. And it honestly is a shame that it didn't really uh, show out in the uh, in the NBA as much as we thought it, uh, thought it would. It did it did early on a little bit. You know, he had the I know I'm going on a tangent about Thomas Robinson, but I know like um Early on in his career, I think it was actually his rookie year, he had a big uh, follow dunk against Dwight Howard, which still makes me laugh to this day. And he also has uh, one of the best blocks of the decade in the NBA this past season when he was with the, uh, or this not this past season, this past decade when he was with the Trailblazers. But anyway, you, you know, you can kind of hope that David, I, I honestly think the best hope for David to really excel in the NBA is to improve and extend his shooting range. Because we're in an obviously we all know that we're in an era where now shooting is a big thing for big men now. I mean, you look at Joel Embiid, could not shoot to save his life when he was at KU. And I'm not saying he's hitting them with consistency, but it's not inconsistent, if that makes any sense. You know, he 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 still makes them pretty efficiently. I think that's just the thing to look out for. Um David probably will not be drafted. Uh, we, I've, I, of course, as long as any KU fan, would love to see him get drafted. But if he does, it would be late second round. And um, it, he honestly might not be drafted. But he, without a doubt, will probably get a few calls from NBA teams as an undrafted free agent, play in the summer league, and try to show up from there. This is Lane Gillespie with Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Coming up after the break, we'll have some more best of RCST trivia like we have it all week long. Stick around. Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card to. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Another top 10 list on this one. We are going to get to the top 10 best individual performances for KU in Big 12 play. And we counted the Big 12 tournament. We counted the Big 12 regular season. 
all of it funneling into one. Before we get into the top ten, though, I did want to at least give mention, um, honorable mention pick to Dewan Harris for the home game against Iowa State. He had 12 points, three assists. So just by that, three of six from the field, six of six on free throws, it doesn't like jump off the page and be like, oh, that was a top ten individual performance. But when you add in the game when he make at the end, six of six on free throws where you're clutch there, it, it gets you closer. So honorable mention there. Dewan will be on this list elsewhere, though. But let's get into the top ten. Number 10. Ochag Baji at home against Kansas State. Obviously a very notable Ochag Baji game on the road, but at home against Kansas State, ultra efficient, firing on all cylinders. He had 23 points on 9 of 13 shooting. He added 7 rebounds. He added 5 assists, filling up the stat sheet, ultra efficient. The only reason it's not higher, because you look at those totals, you look at the efficiency, you could say, oh, that could be even higher, is just because it was an open game. It was a wide-open offensive game where... Um, that was a little more free-flowing, and it's against a K-State team that wasn't very good. So that's why that's in at number 10 and, and maybe not a little higher. Number 9. Plus, this is just there, there's a lot of really good performances, so you're, you're kind of um, uh, picking nits, so to speak, at all these different ones. The number 9 one is Christian Brown at home against Baylor. Another one that I would have loved to get a representative of this game even higher because this was KU's most impressive win most impressive performance of the regular season. Baylor got the one seed in the East region this year. Yeah, it was East region. I had to double check. Um, And KU just boat raced them. I mean, it was over from, what, five minutes into the game, something like that. And Christian Brown was a microcosm of what issued or or plagued the Bears that game. Ability to get out in transition and finish as, as he you know, would grab and go. He ended up with 10 rebounds, a lot of opportunities there to grab and go. He had 18 points on 8 of 14. Also had three assists against Baylor. It's just tough because when you blow a team out that much, you're not going to play as much as normal. You might not put up as many stats, and so it causes it to move down to number 9, but certainly an impressive outing, and KU really as a team was unbelievable that game at home against the Bears. Number 8. Back to Dewan Harris, and also a game against Iowa State. He dominated the Cyclones this past season. How about the one in Ames, though? He went for 14 points, 8 assists, 4 steals, also had a couple rebounds. He was 6 of 8 shooting, so high efficiency at Iowa State. If you remember, that was the game that Ochag Baji was missing. KU needed other people to step up. Dewan Harris did just that with those 14 and 8, near double-double, helped key a, a strong defensive effort from KU that game with those 4 steals. He was dynamite in those two games against Iowa State. Number 7. Seventh on the list, David McCormick on the road against Oklahoma State. Absolute beast this game. 17 points, 15 rebounds. He went 7 of 13 from the field. And that was a game coming in that he had just gotten benched for Mitch Lightfoot and, you know, came out like a man possessed with his butt on fire or whatever statement you want to make there. He was so good in that game for KU in a game that they didn't always have good offensive play. Um, That was the game that I'll always remember for you know, the near 10-minute dry spell to finish out the first half where you missed like 20 straight shots. But Dave was great in that game, 17 and 15. And fun fact, uh, Dave McCormick took a three in that game against Oklahoma State. It was like shot clock winding down. He caught it off the inbound, just turned, fired, had so much confidence in it. It didn't go in. I wish it would have. Then he went at 20 and 15, and then would have moved up even higher, especially if Dave McCormick made a three. Number six. Back to the David McCormick well, this time at home against West Virginia. He upped from 17 and 15 
to 19 and 15 at home against West Virginia. He was also 9 of 13 from the field. He added three assists. KU just dominated West Virginia at home this year, and he was a big reason why. See, why he was so good in that game. Number five. Top five? Where have we heard this one before? David McCormick. That'd be funny if I just did top 10 and they were all David McCormick just as a joke. Uh, nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, David McCormick at Iowa State, that same game that Dewan Harris was great in, mentioned Ochag Baji wasn't there. You needed others to step up. Dave did just that. He had 14 points, 14 rebounds, two assists, two blocks. And you might be saying, well, why is the 14 and 14 better than the 19 and 15 or the 17 and 15 that he had in those other two games? He also went seven of seven from the field at Iowa State. Didn't miss a shot, ultra efficiency, and had those big numbers again in a game that, like West Virginia, maybe didn't need it as much as Iowa State without Ochak Baji and on the road. At Oklahoma State, you beat them pretty handedly regardless, and you also took six less shots to get the same amount of field goal makes. So that's why that Dave McCormick one is in at number five over the other two. Number four. Jalen Wilson at home against Texas on senior day. Jalen came off the bench because he didn't start for one of the seniors. He had 17 points, 13 rebounds, also two blocks and two steals. He was five of nine from the floor. So anytime you're getting 17 points on nine shots, that's really good there. Obviously the double-double. And that was a game KU could not really make a shot overall as an offense outside of him and, and one other player. And Ochai had... I don't know. One of the worst shooting games we've seen for, from him in a KU uniform. Uh, just kind of an off day for Ochai, randomly enough. And um, they needed other guys to, to fill in to, to pick up the production. Jalen Wilson did just that. But it's not just that as well. It's not just the production and, and what he did offensively. That was a game where Texas was consistently toward the end of the game and in overtime. They were trying to get switches with Timmy Allen or, or whoever they were going to have to take the shot, Courtney Ramey, on to Jalen Wilson to try to kind of size him up or, or take him off the dribble or, or whatever. And, you know, I, I think Jalen, over the course of his time at KU, there's been some inconsistencies defensively. There's been times where teams have hunted him. But in that stretch, in that moment against Texas, he was unbelievable. He, I mean, he was getting stop after stop after stop. So that factors in as well and why it's in at number four. Number three. Third best, I mentioned another guy was you know, making a bunch of shots for KU in that game. That was David McCormick. David McCormick went for 22 points on 13 shots in the the senior day game against Texas. Also added 10 rebounds, so he had a double-double. He was ultra-efficient, and he had the the kind of nail-in-the-coffin play, finishing the dunk after KU uh, was kind of playing with fire, almost turning the ball over there, and ended up getting it through Dave with the big dunk in his final home game. Number two. Ochai Igbaji, let's get back to him at Kansas State. Ochai went for 29 points in Manhattan. He went 10 of 18 from the field. He added seven rebounds, two assists, and two blocks. It probably should have been 30 points, right? He should have been given the extra free throw, and that would have been cool to see another 30-point game. 30 just sounds so much bigger than 29, even though it's only one point apart. Nonetheless, Ochai... um, helped carry KU along with a great offensive rebounding effort and a great second-half defensive effort from KU to that amazing comeback win over Kansas State. It meant so much to Bill Self with his dad just passing away, and that, looking back on it, served as the blueprint for what ended up happening for KU in the title game. Ochag Baji in Manhattan, the number two performance in Big 12 uh, play for KU. 
Number one. But number one is bested by, once again, Ochai Baji. At home against Texas Tech. Now, I did think about putting the K-State one ahead because the Tech game, you had the double overtime to add more to your stats where you didn't against K-State. So maybe that makes, you know, by like per 40 basis or whatever, the K-State one slightly more impressive in the comeback. But you add in the fact that in the Tech game, and I guess he did hit the uh, uh, little floater where he was coming from the sideline against K-State that that let him win it and stuff or or take the lead late against K-State. But the Texas Tech one, where he hits the three. I mean, that was that was well defended. That that was a good contest. He just has barely enough time to get off kind of a fading three as he turns his shoulders all in one motion off the catch in that left wing, knocks it down, we're tied, you go to a double overtime, and KU finds a way to win. It was a game that never should have been in that situation, never should have gotten to overtime to begin with. KU kind of let it slip through their fingers. But then Ochai was able to rescue it back after Tech should have, like if you just base it on what happened from overtime on, probably could have got the win and then once you got to double overtime KU was able to come through with the victory there and if KU doesn't win that game you know you you lose the big 12 to Baylor Baylor wins that outright um what happens with KU seeding you know are they after winning the big 12 tournament they're probably still a one seed but by Baylor winning the regular season would Baylor have been the third overall one seed KU would have been the fourth and would that have led to a different draw for Kansas would they have played North Carolina in the second round as opposed to playing them in the title game. You know what I mean? There's just like so many ripple effects, and you like to think that it wouldn't have mattered. You would have won it all anyway. You made it through the path that you had to. It's just kind of interesting. Uh, You don't have to worry about it, though. Ochai went for 37, including that game-tying shot, 13 of 23 from the field, seven rebounds, two assists. He was fantastic in that game. That is another top 10 list. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. About 20 past the 5 o'clock hour, this is Lane Gillespie with Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. The original plan at about this point was to talk a little bit more about the NBA draft, but uh, we're going to go ahead and switch that to tomorrow. As I was scrolling through and uh, looking at stuff for KU Athletics, I stumbled across something for KU Volleyball, so we're going to talk about that for just a few short minutes And it's the fact that there are two Kansas volleyball players named to the all-Big 12 preseason teams, those being Caroline Bien and Rachel Langs. And going off of the hot year, or the way that Kansas ended, I should say, the hot uh, end that they had to the season last season, going all the way to the Sweet 16, you know, the bar is set when it comes to KU volleyball. They have some very talented players in Kennedy Ferris, Rachel Langs, uh, Molly Schultz, Aneska Zabo. Uh, Caroline Bien, Aya Elnadi, Cameron Turner. That's just to name a few. London Davis, one of those as well. That's just to name a few. And those that I didn't list, that's, again, blame it on my head, not my heart. Um, it's a talented group, and I think this this team is going to be really something special. Uh, you know, Caroline Bien, she's a big returner. She's only a sophomore, I believe. Yeah, she's only a sophomore. Made amazing strides as a freshman a season ago. 
Um, she was part of the All Big 12 preseason team a season ago as well. It's not often that you could see that as a freshman, so that's that's incredible. And KU is only one out of four teams with multiple players in the All Big 12 preseason, preseason team in the Big 12, by the way. So look for that. Look for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. And just to go off of how Caroline Bien did a season ago, honorable mention All-American by the AVCA, AVCA Regional Freshman of the Year, Big 12 Freshman of the Year, was named Big 12 Rookie of the Week twice and was selected to the Pittsburgh All-Regional Team for the performance in the NCAA Tournament. You know, Kansas went all the way to the Sweet 16, losing three sets to none over Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a home game for them, but they did spoil the home game for Creighton in the second round of the NCAA Tournament, so that did help quite a lot. So, you know, like I mentioned, and, and I had the, I had the uh, luck and the privilege to... Uh, cover KU volleyball for a good chunk of the season last year. I uh, was a, I was the radio announcer. We only did a few home games. I was because of COVID. Um, and there was a point where they lost six in a row and lost eight of a span of nine games. So, you know, it was a, um, you know, there was a time where the hopes of going to the NCAA tournament was, was not helpful, but I will say four of those losses were against ranked teams. Two of them against number one, Texas, who was the favorite to win it all. I think Pittsburgh won the championship, actually, which is the team that beat KU. Um, but anyway, number one, Texas, the first game against Texas, you know, KU was the first team to win a set against Texas that season. And that that was already about over a month in, about a month and a half into the volleyball season in college volleyball. And KU was the first team to win a set over Texas, a team that was absolutely phenomenal from the start. They were up two sets to none. Texas mounted the uh, three, the uh, down two set comeback to win it in five. Um, and in, in in actuality, you know, Kansas only lost the fifth set, fifteen to thirteen. So technically, they only lost by one or two points. You know, you can you can give the efficiency uh, with that. Just about one or two points away from you know possibly winning it against the number one team in the land, giving them their first loss. Instead, Texas came back and won. That kind of did set the bar, though, and then, you know, they did continue to get loss after loss, and they finally picked things up against TCU, swept them, swept K-State, and then they went on to the NCAA tournament. Um, now I'm going to talk a little bit about Rachel Lang. She uh, This is the second time she's been on the preseason All-Big 12 team, but her first time was back in 2019. But Last year, she led the Jayhawks and ranked seventh in the Big 12 with 131 blocks, an average of over 1%. That's pretty darn good. Also had 161 kills, 251 hit percentage. And the first match that Rachel will play this next season will be the 100th in her career. Rachel Langs, of course, I'm trying to find her anywhere. There she is. Uh, the super senior from Fairview, Texas. Someone who's made a lot of great strides in the KU volleyball program already. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say it again. This team's going to be darn good. And I think, um, I think they're going to be ranked for quite a bit. I think they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think they're going to be one of the best teams in the country. And I've I've said it before. I haven't really said it on air here on KLWN, but I've said it on the air as the announcer. Um, you know, definitely check out a volleyball game at Horsch Family Volleyball Arena. In my opinion, Horsch Family Volleyball Arena is not only one of the best college volleyball atmospheres, I think it's one of the best atmospheres in college athletics. Of course, it does help. They're literally connected, like literally the buildings are connected to Allen Fieldhouse, um, you know, which is listed as probably the best basketball arena in the in the country just because, you know, of the atmosphere, which KU does a tremendous job of. They have a great track record when it comes to crowd participation and uh 
and the uh, fan atmosphere that they have, and that translates to volleyball. Without a doubt, there were quite a few games that got really loud, and that it's that's I, I mean that's I think that's honestly the only reason why KU went ten and four uh, at home last season uh, in volleyball. So um, I think yeah they uh, um, there might be a few jumps here and there, mainly just because of how they started off last season. But I think if they can do really good out of the jump, I, I think it's going to be hard to find any team that stops KU Volleyball. So yeah, I just wanted to give that little update as Caroline Bien and Rachel Langs were selected into the All-Big 12 preseason team. So I just wanted to give that little KU Volleyball update to you guys. Going to go ahead and take another break. We'll have the RCST replay for you on the other end of this timeout. It'll be another draft given by Derek Johnson and Scott Chasen. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk and Lane Gillespie on FM 1017-1320 KLWN. Bend on it. 